Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about the inevitable. And what I mean by that is sometimes we just know something terrible is about to happen. And I don't mean in that anxious, fearful way (laughs) in which we're always scanning our environment, expecting the worst to happen. I mean that there's something actually terrible on the books that is coming your way. And maybe that is just something you're really not looking forward to, or it's something that really brings up a lot of fear for you. In either case, it's just something that you're absolutely dreading. And I'm going through that right now because we've reached the end of life for my dog Charlie. So if you are someone who is especially sensitive to stories about dogs or their passing, maybe this might be an episode that you want to skip. I don't want to traumatize anyone or activate all of your feelings today. There's nothing that I'm going to say that's horrific or anything, but, you know, sometimes certain topics are challenging for people. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that I will be talking about Charlie's end of life in this episode to kind of help explain these difficult situations that we experience, that we encounter, and how we can move through them. While it's fresh in my mind, because I happen to be in that situation myself. And so what do I mean when I say, you know, something awful is coming? And there's nothing really you can do to stop it. What do you do then? And in my current example, it's the immediate loss of a dog, immediate loss of a pet that's coming right up on the horizon. For others, it might be you've got a really difficult surgery coming up or you've got some difficult medical stuff coming up. You know it's coming, it's on the books. Maybe it's a terrible day in court. Maybe you've got to face your ex or you're going through a divorce or you are in a custody battle. Whatever it is, I try to pick some of the most popular examples, things that most of us will encounter or deal with in our lives, but it's going to be personal to each person. So whatever it is that you specifically are facing or that you specifically are going up against, whatever it is, there's definitely a moment or several in our lives when we just can't get around the terrible thing that's coming. It's looming on the horizon. And for that reason, it's very easy to feel all the dread that's coming your way, like a big old wave to suck you under and drag you out to sea because there's nothing you can really do to escape it. That's why I call it the inevitable. In my situation with Charlie, even though I knew this is where it was headed, I mean, everyone who's ever gotten a pet ever knows that they die eventually. And I even had warning because he's been in decline for like the last year, year and a half. And so I knew this was coming and yet I still am having a really hard time with it. So the first piece of advice I want to give you is that time really has no relevance when it comes to facing the inevitable. Don't beat yourself up by saying, oh, I should have been more prepared or, oh, I should have known it was going to be like that. There's no need to make a hard situation even harder on yourself. It doesn't matter how much time you knew in advance that this was coming. It can still be really difficult. It can still be really challenging. 
But let me take you through my situation with Charlie. And you might have gotten some of this if you listened to the Benefits of a Big Scare episode, which was about the terrible moment when Charlie fell down the stairs. <laughs> about scared me to death. But essentially, he's had some medical issues since 2021, actually. So in early 2021, he was already showing symptoms that maybe something was going on neurologically with his ability to walk. When he would step his little paws, they would knuckle. I believe it's called knuckling, in which they roll forward a little bit. And so he was having a bit of trouble with that, but it was nothing dramatic, nothing that required intervention. We asked the vets about it, and they were like, well, maybe you can get little anti-knuckling socks for him, that kind of thing. But it wasn't a big deal. He could still get around on his own. It's just that he was doing this weird thing with his paws. And then in August of 2021, he was sitting at the top of the stairs, and you know how dogs will turn, they'll tuck their little butts so that they can pull up the back leg and scratch like behind their ear. Well, he did that, but he did it too close to the top of the stairs, and he slid right off the top step. And Charlie's a low-to-the-ground squat guy. <laughs> if you guys have never heard me talk about Charlie before, he's a pug. So I thought he would be okay because he just kind of slid down the carpet. And so we took him to the emergency clinic, even though it was crazy hours. And they ran him through the scanner. They did all the tests and they were like, everything looks fine. We don't see anything. Fast forward six months and his walking is continuing to get worse. The knuckling that we described is continuing to get worse. He's having more difficulties with his balance. And so I take him back to the vet again and I'm like, can you please just look at his spine? Look at whatever's going on. Can we figure out what's going on with his walking? And the vet at his usual clinic, because when the emergency happened, we couldn't take him to his normal vet because it was out of hours. They weren't open. So we, that's why we took him to the emergency clinic. When she did the scan of his spine, she pointed out a spot to me where it was, I don't want to say disjointed because that's not the actual word and it's probably conjuring a horrible vision for you. It's not that his spine was disjointed, but there was a shift, I guess, a misalignment in the spine that she described as pretty dramatic. And so I told her, and I had already told her before about the stairs, but we revisited that conversation and she's like, well, maybe it's possible that they just didn't see it when it first happened, maybe with the swelling or the fluid or something, it was not visible. And that when that went down, when the swelling went down, maybe it settled this way, kind of out of misalignment. But she still wasn't sure if that was what was causing the neurological stuff because, again, he had already started to show these symptoms before the fall. And so we don't really know what caused it or what the source of it is. I can just say that gradually over the course of 2023, Charlie lost his ability to walk completely. So it was just kind of some stumbling and some unsteadiness in 2022. But then in 2023, gradually he lost his ability to walk completely. And so I had gone back through my photos to kind of give myself a sense of the timeline when I was trying to understand what was going on. But essentially, he was still walking kind of okay at the beginning of the year. By the time that my wife went back to the Philippines in May for her father's death, he had lost the ability to walk completely. He was being carried everywhere. So by the end of April, he was completely immobile. He could sit up but he couldn't move, like he couldn't move his back legs by himself. And then by October of this past year, he was incontinent, which means he could no longer you know, control his bladder and stuff. So now we have to cover the house in like pee pads, his cushions and stuff, just to make sure that he doesn't just go to the bathroom everywhere <laughs> all the time, which he absolutely would if he could. So then it was like an incontinent situation. 
And then shortly after that, he also lost his ability to sit up. So now the poor guy, if he falls over, like if he, you know, falls over onto his side or something, or even just lays down, you know, sometimes dogs, they like to lay down on their sides. He can't get back up unassisted. And so he'll cry or he'll, you know, yelp for us. And so we have to help him sit back up. And so it's just been a really rough year for Charlie and it's been progressively getting worse. And then over the Christmas break, I was talking with family and it wasn't that they were pressuring me to put Charlie down by any means. That was not at all the tone of the conversation. But I did have someone ask me the question innocently, like, well, why do you keep him alive? It made me realize that I didn't have a good answer. Like, I did not have a good answer why I was prolonging Charlie's euthanasia when clearly things were just getting more difficult for him and they would continue to get more difficult. Because, I mean, there's no amount of care. I can't throw any more pills or surgery or physical therapy. There's nothing that we can do for him that will make him more comfortable or that will solve this situation. And so we're really just keeping him with us because we love him so much and because we want him to live forever. If I could will this dog to live forever... (laughs) I absolutely would. I love him so much. And so then we decided that it probably was really hard on him to always be trapped like that, to not being able to move. I mean, what he's essentially living for is cuddles and snacks, which as an introvert, I'll be the first to tell you that cuddles and snacks are definitely a reason to live. But probably not for a dog who loves to get around, who loves to follow you. I don't know if anyone here happens to have a pug, but as you know, they're your little shadow. They love to be wherever you are. And so anytime we would walk out of a room to get something, you know, Charlie barks or he gets very upset because he can't follow you. And so I know that his current lifestyle, his current conditions are not easy for him. And if I keep him alive any longer, it's just going to get harder. And so I had to ask myself an honest question of, do I want to keep him alive knowing that things will just get harder for him? His life is already hard. Do I really want to make it harder for him just because I'm having a hard time saying goodbye? And I didn't like the answer to that. So we decided that we were going to go ahead and follow through with Charlie's euthanasia. Now, that's the thing that's on the calendar. So it's coming up in about eight days from when I'm recording this. And because it's coming up, of course, I am filled with dread. I am absolutely sick to my stomach every time I think about it. And I want to kind of take you through, if you're dealing with something like this in your own life, if there's something on the books or something that's coming up in your immediate future and you know it's going to be really hard and it sucks, I want to show you what I'm doing to deal with that. How am I processing this kind of difficult situation in hopes that maybe I can make it a little bit easier for you? These are the things that I do when I'm in a situation like this, when something terrible is coming and there's just no way to avoid it. Like, it's going to happen. First and foremost, I get clear on my situation by analyzing the pros and cons, kind of what I've already described to you before with my situation with Charlie. There was a lot of time to think about why I was making the decision that I was making. Is it fair to keep him alive? I looked at the pros of keeping him alive longer. I would get more cuddles. I would get more kisses. I could smush that little smush nose some more, which is like my favorite thing in the entire world. But the cons really outweighed the pros at this point. The difficulty of him trying to get through his days, trying to keep him comfortable, trying to keep him dry (laughs) because he pees on himself all the time, trying to keep him uh, well medicated. He has a lot of pills at this point that he takes to keep himself comfortable. 
And so if I look at the cons list and I look at the pros list, it helps me to feel a little bit more, yes, this is something that I need to do. It might be true for you also that you look at your situation and you look at the benefits of proceeding with the difficult thing, even though it's terrible, and the cons of what happens if you prolong it or you decide to avoid it some more or you try to take another course of action. By doing that, by getting a really clear sense of what's going on, it might help you to take more comfort in the decision that you have to make or take more comfort in what needs to be done. So for example, I have a friend who's dealing with a cancer situation and obviously she is dreading every medical appointment that she has to go to, every invasive procedure that she has to endure. But the opposite is to do nothing and it possibly get worse and then she could die prematurely because she's very young. She's younger even than me. And so when you look at the list like this, it's like, yes, this is terrible, but what's the alternative? Like, is the alternative worse? And if the answer is yes, the alternative is worse, then it might help you to gain comfort in moving forward. And so you can do this analysis by journaling. You know, that's my favorite thing to do. Start journaling, start looking at your thoughts, start figuring out how you feel about it. Maybe talk to a trusted friend. When I say talk to a trusted friend, think about that. (laughs) Pick your friend wisely. Friends are great, but some friends are not all great in all situations, if you know what I mean. Like, you might have a friend who's really great with X, Y, and Z, but terrible in a different situation. So gauge accordingly. Pick a friend that would be most appropriate for your current situation, someone who you know will be loving and affirming and supportive or bring some great insight or objectivity to the situation. Use that friend, but talk to a friend, journal, whatever you can do to get your thoughts out of your head and onto paper or out into the world so you can see them better. It's kind of really hard to understand how we feel about things when it's all just inside. The brain is sort of a messy place. I probably don't need to tell you that, but the brain is very messy, and so it can be hard to see your situation objectively. So talk to whomever you need to talk to, journal about whatever you need to journal, get clear in your head about what you want to do, how you want to approach the situation. And then once you've approached it, you know what's happening, can't do anything about that, just make a decision to make the best of it. So for example, with Charlie, he hates car rides at this point. It's because he can't really see well anymore and he does not like the vet. He finds it to be a very scary place. And so we didn't want to make that his last experience in this world. So we found a home hospice person that's going to come to the house. They're going to sit with Charlie, give him lots of love, and then we're going to do it here so that he can be with us, with both me and Kim. He can be surrounded by all his favorite things. He can be getting a lot of love, that it can be very peaceful and in an environment that he is more comfortable with and more familiar with. And so I encourage you to do the same. Whatever your situation is, try to make it as much to your advantage as you can. Make yourself as comfortable as you can. Just ask yourself the question, what can I do to make this less terrifying? What can I do to make this less difficult? And that might be making adjustments to your environment. That might be making adjustments to your schedule or to your day. Or maybe it's surrounding yourself by people you love as you go through this. So for example, sticking with the medical example or the court legal example to super stressful situations, ask people you love to come with you for that day or plan to do something really nice with them after the fact so that you can distance yourself from that emotional charge of the situation. Or again, if it's in a courtroom, ask them to come sit in the courtroom with you in the back. There's like, you know, that galley area where people can sit. Seeing their faces might be a great comfort to you to know that there are people there who care about you, who love you, who know what you're going through. Whatever you can do to make things easier, do that. 
So in the same vein of making the situation the best that you can, making it as easy on yourself as possible to endure whatever needs to be endured. Also in the same vein, don't be afraid to ask for what you need. And what I mean by that is in the case with Charlie, for example, we had had to use home euthanasia for Josie, our pug that we had before Charlie back in 2018. There was a vet who came to the house. She was very kind. It was a very positive experience for us. Josie went very easily. She had a much easier time than if we had taken her to the vet. And then also she was finally able to rest. At that point, she had deteriorated so much that she couldn't even breathe. So in that case, it was no question. It's not like with Charlie where I really had to go back and forth because otherwise he seems like a very lucid, present dog. My other dogs were always very, very sick by the time that we had to say goodbye. And so it was very clear. Charlie, it's been less clear, and so it's been a harder decision. Anyway, don't let me get distracted. (laughs) Asking for what you need. So we had a very positive experience with the doctor who came to our house for Josie, and so, of course, she was my first choice. I called her up, and I started telling her about the situation with Charlie, but it wasn't a great conversation. I didn't feel very good at the end of it. She seemed kind of indifferent. She didn't seem like she really cared about what was going on. There was no sympathy whatsoever. And so I didn't feel good about it, even though I had had a positive experience before. I knew that I needed someone, just because of where I am emotionally, I needed someone who was going to be sympathetic to this difficult situation. I didn't want someone who didn't care about Charlie or care about the situation to come into the house and that be who he spends his last moments with. That was really important to me to find someone who was emotionally I don't want to say emotionally invested because, you know, hospice or end-of-life stuff is really hard and I don't want anyone to come in here and completely emotionally drain themselves on my behalf, but just someone who was sensitive to the difficulty of the situation. And I didn't feel like it was her this time, even though we had had a great experience before. So I called around and I spoke to other services, other people who could do this, and I found a much better match. If something feels off to you, if you know that in that moment you need extra support and care, and you don't feel like you're getting it from a particular person, or you're not getting it from a particular service, or whatever your situation is, again, it's different for everyone, so it's hard for me to guess. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need, or to look for what you need. Don't feel like, oh, I just have to endure this. Like, no, you don't have to. Like, the situation is hard. Don't make it harder by downplaying your own needs in that situation. If you need someone sympathetic and compassionate sitting with you when you say goodbye to your precious little dog, the love of your life, then find that person and don't accept less. And it's very possible that this original vet, she just had a really bad day or maybe she's really burned out. I think she does this full time. And so I can't imagine how hard it is to have that occupation. So she might have just been having an off day. But I had a better conversation with someone else. And so I made that decision. Don't be afraid to go with your gut. Listen to your instincts. If it tells you something's not quite right, you don't like something, trust that and do whatever you need to do to make yourself as comfortable as you can in your difficult situation. Do whatever makes you feel good about it. Because again, you don't need to bring torturous situations or negativity to an already difficult situation. Don't do that to yourself. You also will probably need to work on your mindset. Difficult situations often feel worse because of the things we're telling ourselves in our minds. And so, for example, if I'm telling myself, oh my gosh, I'm failing Charlie. I'm the worst mom ever. Why can't I do more? Why can't I figure out how to solve his paralysis, which even if anybody in the medical field can't do it, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But of course, I'm going to tell myself that I should have found a way. (laughs) 
<laughs> because that's what negative self-talk looks like. By instead working on my mindset, by focusing instead on other things, more positive things, that death is natural, that it happens to every single creature on this planet. There's nothing that's going to escape death yet that we know of to instead celebrate all the good times that i had with that little guy we had some amazing times together he is the sweetest kindest little dog that i know he's so funny he's so sweet he had a lot of personality and just feel absolutely blessed that i found him because we rescued him in 2018 he was surrendered to like a pug rescue group and so we rescued him in 2018 so it's just amazing that i found him that we were such a great match that we love each other so much that we had such great adventures together, and focus on all of that, that of all the dogs in the world, all of the possibilities that could have happened, that he was the one that came into my life, and that I'm so grateful for that time and experience with that little guy. Because if I ask myself, you know, if I asked me now, if me, Corey, today spoke to Corey in 2018, and I said, well, look, this is how it's going to go. If you adopt him, X, Y, and Z, and this is where it's going to end up, and this is how you're going to be feeling. Would I still take the same route? Absolutely. I would still do it. Even if the saying goodbye is difficult, I would still absolutely do this. And so it might be the same for you in your situation. You can also do this as a journaling exercise. Ask yourself, your past self, you know, if this is where it was going to end up, would you still do it? You know, would you still marry this person if this is how it was going to end in divorce? Would you still do X, Y, and Z if you were going to end up in this kind of legal battle? Would you still do this if you knew you were going to get sick later? Whatever it was, like you can try to do a retrospective to give yourself a sense of, you know, I would still do that. Like the pain was still worth the pleasure. Like the price of the pain of saying goodbye was still worth the pleasure of being Charlie's mom for as long as I could be, which was about almost six years, about five and a half, six years. I also try to, in the same vein with the working on the mindset, is to see this time of difficulty as an opportunity to get stronger, to further liberate myself, because strong emotions are always an opportunity to get stronger. They don't feel especially awesome <laughs> in, in the moment, <laughs> but it's true in the sense that we can sit down, we can do meditation, we can do Tonglen meditation, we can breathe through this, and then we feel better equipped not only to deal with this situation, as difficult as it is, but also in future situations where we can look back and we can say, you know, I'm stronger than any passing energy, which is what I refer to as emotions. I'm stronger than any emotion. I've been here before. I felt this way before. I pulled through it. And I'm stronger and more capable of doing it now than I was in the past because I'm only getting stronger every time I encounter this. And for the most part, if our lives are not super difficult, then we can see this momentary heartbreak, devastation, as temporary. And if this is the only time I get to strengthen myself against it, is when these terrible moments happen, then I should seize that moment and I should use it in meditation. I should work with it. So if you don't know what Tonglin meditation is, please go back and listen to my meditation episode because Tonglin is a really great practice to use when we're dealing with strong, difficult emotions like loss or devastation. So seize this moment as an opportunity to have a better relationship with your emotions, to get stronger in the face of difficult emotions, to increase your resilience, your ability to move through something, and also just practicing to not do the bad habits <laughs> that usually happen in difficult situations. It's very easy in emotionally charged moments to make ourselves crazy. I could make myself crazy between now and Charlie's appointment, thinking about it, making it 
the worst case scenario in my head, catastrophizing it. On one hand, I'm very grateful that I am an imaginative person. My imagination serves me very well. But there are times like this where my imagination is terrible. Because <laughs> I can imagine all the terrible things just as well as I can imagine good things. So if you have a hyperactive imagination like I do, strong emotionally charged situations might be really challenging because your brain is really happy to serve you up all the terrible things that could possibly happen. So work with that. This is your chance to work with that, to work with not catastrophizing, to work with not making yourself crazy, to work with creating a habit of peace in your mind that when something terrible crops up that your brain doesn't go, oh my god, here we are, red lights flashing, panic, doom doom, <laughs> whatever it is that your brain does when you encounter something horrible, that instead your habit becomes to, okay, here comes the next difficult wave. Here comes the next wave of turbulence. And I'm going to weather this just as well as I did the others. And here are all the things that I'm now going to do to take care of myself during that time. And you should do whatever you can to increase your self-care, to be really tender with yourself, be really gentle with yourself. Just like you would if you had a friend who was going through something really difficult, you would be really kind to them and gentle with them. I'm suspecting, or maybe you're that friend who's uh, really rough and sarcastic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to presume, but assuming that you would be gentle with someone that you love, let's say someone you love, their partner died, for example, or their dog died, you would be really kind to them, I think. And so you need to treat yourself with the same respect and the same love in your difficult situation. Those are all the things I'm doing right now. I'm increasing my self-care. I'm working on my mindset. I'm trying to see this as an opportunity to work with strong emotions, to practice with my strong emotions while I have them, to cultivate more peace and settledness and resilience in my mind. I'm spending as much time as I can with Charlie to cherish that time that we have left together, cultivating gratitude for the time that I've had with him, how lucky I was to even find him, to even have him in my life, and to get as many of those amazing little nose kisses as I have absolutely indulged in over the years. I'm making the best of the situation. I'm gathering the people I love around me, asking them to help me through this situation, receiving all the love and support that I need at this time. And so these are all things that I encourage you to do as well if you're facing something difficult. Surround yourself with the love that's already present in your life. Surround yourself with the strength that you already have and just be really gentle and tender with yourself until you move through this and do so the moving through the situation, do that process, knowing that this will pass. And we have that saying, of course, that this too shall pass. If you can think back on some of the most terrible experiences you've ever had in your life, I'm sure you can think of at least one moment after the fact where you were smiling again, or you were laughing again, or you were joyful again. And this energy or this experience that you're dealing with now, no matter how difficult it is, it will not last because that's the nature of change. That's the nature of our ever-shifting world is that it cannot stay no matter how terrible it is. We don't like it when it's joy, <laughs> when the happiness won't last, because no matter how joyful it is, it also doesn't last. But we can take comfort in the fact that the reverse is true also, that no matter how difficult things are, it doesn't last. And so whatever you're dealing with right now, I'm sending you so much love. Or in the future, if you're coming back to this episode because you remembered it, because now you've got something difficult going on, I'm sending you so much love. I'm sending you so much patience and strength. And I'm wishing you the best as you move through this difficult time. And you will come out the other side of this stronger and more loving and more capable than ever. 
And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful, and if you did, and you would like to write into the show today and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or through my email at cory at coryamshram.com. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human, and until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Cory Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.